Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Drawn Today podcast, where we encourage you to draw every day. In part one of this two-part episode, podcast regular Mark Harchar sits down with some local artists in the metro Orlando area and discuss the local art scene and how it relates to the larger art scene in general. In part two of the podcast, some of our podcast regulars sit around for a roundtable discussion on local art scenes and our experiences in those scenes. This is uh, this is the Drawn Today podcast where we encourage people to draw every day. And what we normally do is we have our guests introduce themselves and, and talk about, you know, give us their website so people can actually get to their work and see it. And, you know, um, but let's start out with uh, Paul. I'm Paul Vincenti. I uh, have a website at paulvincenti.com, which is my Florida artwork. And then I have another website called VincentiFantasyArt.com, which would be more relative to what we're talking about. Uh, I've been an oil painter for, oh, almost 30 years now, and um, I'm still learning all the time and, you know, just trying to keep talking and discussing things and getting different points of view like we were talking earlier. And, uh, you know, and I'm happy to be on your program. Jen? Uh, yes, I'm Jennifer Jacobson, Jen Jacobson, um, jenjacobson.com, but um, I've been painting for about five years, I guess, drawing my entire life since I was old enough to pick up a crayon. Uh, Dad's an artist, so I learned a lot from him. Majored in biology, so not a whole lot of art courses, but uh, just trying to find my way and try to figure out what I want to say with my art. And Mr. Hadley. Uh, I'm Mark Hadley. Uh, you can see my stuff at studiohadley.com. Um, I'm an acrylic painter. been painting for eight years now, trying to make money at it. But uh, watercolors and stuff since I was ten, probably. Um, paint fantasy stuff. Reapers, fairies, butterflies. <laughs> this and that. That's about all. Cool. And I'm Mark Harchar, and you can find my stuff at markharchar.com. And one of the thoughts I had for this discussion was that there, everybody, there's artists just everywhere. You know, they're 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 around the country, and everybody tries to, you know, get together with their own communities and and reach across, you know, distances, whether it's here, you know, across the states, across to Europe, and whatever, and. Uh, um, but everybody's got their own local community, and so I thought what might be a good idea is to talk about our local art community since this is this is a new community for me, and, and you know all of these fine artists are uh, new friends of mine. So figured we'd get together and just kind of yap about the the area, the the things that we we get to do while we're here with our art, and uh, you know see how it might pertain to people in other areas who might have the same kind of things going on. So have, have you guys all lived here your whole life, or is this... I'm from Ohio, so I've been in this art scene for, like I said, eight years, seven or eight years. So and where you came from, was it, was it a bigger town? No, no, I came from a small town where cow tipping on Friday nights was what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. 
And Jen? Uh, I'm originally from Minnesota. Grew up in a small suburb about 20 minutes southwest of the Twin Cities. Went to school, uh, college in the wonderful city of Duluth, Minnesota, which is great. Duluth. <laughs> and uh, moved down here about 15 years ago for a job training birds, not related to art at all. So um, that's kind of kind of weird, I guess. Um, like I said, just started maybe five years ago trying to get into art as far as making extra money at it and trying to turn it into a career. And uh, it's been challenging. Challenging and fun. And yeah, now you two guys I know were uh, probably have a pretty good tag, at least on some of the local scene, because you guys both painted at Tango's, yeah. and so you meet a lot of artists, and you see a lot of, a lot of you know, uh, variety, both with locals and and, uh, and with the uh, people from out of town, yeah, uh, International absolutely. Drive. Yeah, that's a lot of tourists in and out of there. Um, that was a cool place to work for a long time. I've done a lot of the one-day shows, so has she, the Sunday one-day shows, the farmer's markets, the... Thursday Wall Street. Thursday Wall Street. Yeah. You know, Brad Biggs is big on the, uh, the Baldwin Park. Yeah. They wanted me to come down there. I guess he had reserved a premium spot for me or something. And Robbie, my guy, told me about it. He told me about it. It was Friday evening. He told me about it Thursday night at 9 o'clock. Oh, by the way. <laughs> well, so, yeah, it can be a little enjoying. disjointed of the art community. I just a lack of communication. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, for a long time, I, I mean, I just sat in my garage and made it and didn't concern myself with the local art community because I was fishing for the money. <laughs> well, i got to make a living, and it's not, and it's, I want to be able to paint what I want to paint. So rather than selling out that way, I'd rather sell out by going to where the art sells, <laughs> which is really on the coasts where all the money is. Where there's big boats, there's big money for big paintings, and and here in Orlando, you know the, the problem is, I guess, is there's um, when people come here, they're coming here to do Disney and things like that, and the art community is kind of a little bit disjointed, I think, a little bit, but it but there are points of cohesion like tangos. Mm -hmm. And then downtown at the City Arts Factory, there's also some, some you know, some fusion there between basically people that are like, you know, the four of us here that are tend to really like doing fantasy and imaginative type artwork rather than strictly fine art, you know, minimalist art where I nail a hole, uh, hole in the wall and, and then put a stick, a stick of wire in it, let it dangle out, and that's art. You know, that's, <laughs> that's fine. I mean, if that's what you're into and that's what you respect, I'm not going to make fun of you for it, but that kind of community doesn't really exist here, that minimalist art movement. It's really a lot of, I'd say, you know, there are a, there's a fairly strong fantasy community here. I used to yeah. life draw at this one gallery, and it was like, it, it's, this was up in Scranton, Pennsylvania, where I used to live. Not a really big art community going on up there. Kind of minimalist, and it was very modern. But uh, I used to life draw at this one gallery, and I, I came up to the, uh, the session one day, and in the window there's this canvas, and it was like four foot by four foot. And it was multicolor stripes that I swear looked like it was wallpaper. I, I would have put wallpaper. <laughs> and at the bottom, there was a My Little Pony painted in silhouette. Uh, so it wasn't, you, you know, it was, just, it was just like this black silhouette of a My Little Pony in front of these stripes. And it was a four-foot canvas, and the price on this was like two grand. And I'm like... Somebody <sighs> bought it, I'm sure. I'm like, you know... <laughs> well, you know what? I guess I've been the one who's lived here the longest. I grew up in Merritt Island, Florida, which is basically central Florida. 
But when I grew up, there was just, you talk about art, there was nothing out here. When I started doing fantasy art out here, I'd go into shows at the mall, <laughs> and I'd be having those wizards and all this stuff, and there'd be 80 grandmas out there painting <laughs> sand dunes and flower baskets and... You know, and they were real nice, and some of them were really good painters too. I'm not knocking them. Some were hacks. There's plenty of those, but there's some of them really good painters. But the subject matter was incredibly conservative, mundane, and kind of just you know repeated over and over. So there wasn't a lot for somebody. You know, there wasn't a lot of imagination I saw at those shows at that time. Well, that's now a, it's different. That's a good point. The subject matter, because we've talked about this with a lot of other friends of mine, and. Locally, subject matter really, in some cases, drives the art community. You know, if you're if you're in Arizona and you're painting pictures of multicolored rocks in the desert, and you're selling a million paintings. If you're on, if you're in Colorado and you're painting pictures of cowboys, you know, life is good. Uh, you know, I've seen a lot of stuff down here that's very tropical looking. Mm -hmm. You know, Beach. boats, beaches, you know, flowers and that kind of thing mm -hmm. has has has. Knowing that that sells to not only the local population but the people who kind of you know travel down here has, has that in any way affected how you create your art and what uh, you, where the way you try to like even even to the extent of do you put little things in your art maybe that kind of reflects some of that aesthetic to probably should yeah. <laughs> yeah, we we'd have a lot more probably money if we did start doing that, yeah. <laughs> Well, for me, you know, I mean, obviously I do the whole line of Florida art and stuff like that, but I guess for me it's rather than um, consciously trying to do that, um, I just happen to fall in line with that kind of love for things. I love, I live here for a reason. I live here because there's palm trees and warms, warmth and I don't have to freeze my ass off, which I don't do well with. The colds. So I did all these things. I'm a big, you know, I love the beach. I love the animals in Florida. I'm huge in it. And Florida's a fantastic fantastic place to see animals especially birds but all kinds of animals there's lots of fl and flora there's plenty of flora and fauna here so there's oh, yeah. plenty of, of that and I love that so therefore I do paint that do I ever put it in my fantasy work somehow palm trees just I mean I guess they can kind of go with certain you know motifs of fantasy I suppose but generally when we think of fantasy I, I guess we're, we're tending to think of medieval you know, tending that tends to be European, and you don't tend to necessarily think of. I was, ha I was having this discussion with my wife about fairies. I'm like, you know, everyone thinks you know fairies are in the woods up in Britain, and they're running around with the big, you know, oak trees and whatever. And it's like, why doesn't anyone ever paint fairies and palm trees? <laughs> I think it's too hot here for the fairies. It's too humid. Yeah. It's too humid, and their wings stick together. So they can't <laughs> um, I, you know, probably I should. If there's such a such a fine line between trying to paint something that's going to sell, because you do want to make money. I don't think any of us are wealthy, um, and and also and painting what you enjoy painting, and you try to mesh the two together as best you can. But um, like your Paul, your botanicals are amazing. Yeah, they're awesome. Absolutely, oh, it's not the average botanical. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. Um, and it would be kind of cool to see you integrate that into well you know somebody's pointed out that maybe one thing I could have get away with with the tropical you know not necessarily palm trees but a little mm -hmm. tropical stuff is maybe put some fairies yeah. flying around buzzing around kind of because you know I do the birds anyway and you know and so forth and then of course you can get away I guess really now and I'm thinking about it you could get away with palm trees with mermaids sure you could of 
question. Mm -hmm. So so there's that, you know. I, I don't know about everybody else, but I paint what I live, I guess. I mean, I mean, uh, there's two worlds I live in. The real world, quote-unquote, and then my inner world, my, my imagination world, I guess, that... You know, that I played Lord of the Rings online when I'm 53. Thank you very much. And, um, you know, but I, I love that whole make-believe world. I've never lost that since I was a kid. So, I, and I have a lot of energy, as you know. And, and so for me, it's, it's... it's You? Yeah. And so, and, and so it's funny. People say, what do you do for a living? I say, well, you know, I'm a painter. And they say, what do you do for a hobby? And I say, oh, I'm a fantasy painter. <laughs> so, um, and studying... Studying the real world, I think, helps, and doing that kind of painting helps my other painting because I get a little, I guess I get a fair balance of both rather than just always being inside in my garage, being like uh, 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 the Phantom of the Opera, uh, painter wise, in here, just trapped in my cave with, you know, very little, there's no windows in here, or being outside and going on a hike with Mark and, and Jen and, you know, getting. You know, salted by bugs and things that you know, and the bugs like are huge down oh, here. I gotta yeah. tell you. So, but, but you, but you do it because you love it. And we had a great, you know, last time we went out on the trail, it was awesome. I mean, I really love being out there. So, I just try to paint the things that I like, and I hope other people like them. I think the difference in my work and a lot of the fantasy work is Frazetta, for instance. Um, there's a lot of violence in fantasy work. Little girl. I have enough conflict in my own life, Mark Speaking, speaking of that, <laughs> I, I, want, I actually, I actually want to talk about that because I, I saw recently, you know, you were posting on your Facebook about, you know, you just got a, um, you know, you were able to commission work or you were able to get, uh, you know, you work into one of the local hot spots uh, that may go unnamed here. Let's, yeah. let's just call it the mouse. Um, and... Uh, Let's, let's talk about that painting there, that, that one that at least you were discussing about, you know, painting what you like and, and how to fit it into. Well, so I have the one painting of the little girl. I just wanted to do a sunny day thing and real pretty and see how dark I could make it at the same time. So I painted this real pretty fall tree, um, leaves falling, grass dying, and then a little girl hanging onto her teddy bear hanging from a rope. And then, uh, but Disney doesn't like that kind of stuff for some reason. So uh, they have the exact same tree, just not the little girl <laughs> hanging from that rope. <laughs> they get the nice version of my stuff. So, yeah, I tone it down for Disney, and they have a lot of my butterflies and things like that. Now, did they actually ask you to change that? Did they see the piece and went, hey, I showed hey, it to if this, if this didn't have this in here, this would yeah. be great? <laughs> I showed it to them just as a joke, going, hey, you guys want this piece? I can bring it in. <laughs> and they were like, uh, well... Little girls hanging from the tree there, uh, so the, but they liked it. But we liked the tree, so okay. So I went home and I paint them the tree and give them the tree. So what fits in there? So so do uh, you have? Does that make you feel like you're compromising in order to make sales because of you know the the outlets that you have for for economic well profitability or no? Because all the butterflies and everything that I put in there still has my spin on it. Still has my style to it yeah you can it's tell just, right away just, it's marks right away yeah the butterflies look a certain way um so you know i can paint really nice things and still put this little bit of a dark edge on it which is what i try to do and you know the butterflies will have some kind of little tribal tail on them or something and, uh, and that's because he's evil <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you didn't paint over as a little girl that painting still exists yeah that painting yeah, still exists like, those paintings but, you know, you have a real unique style, and I think that's the thing, is around here there's so many styles that, uh, you know, speaking again of the local scene, the, the 
the styles, of course, like any town are just, you know, varied. But I think in this town, because everybody, there's only a handful of people around here that make the big money. Yeah. And they're so detached from the local scene because they ain't making their money locally. <laughs> You've got your people who are going to sell, you know, sell the shit out of everything they do for whatever reason. Yeah. And, you know, the people that are just do fantastic work well, and, you know, know, and they and they struggle. And I guess that's here's a question, you know, since some of, some of us have come from smaller areas, um, you know, is is it better to be the the one guy who does the painting in a town of, you know, a thousand people or is it better to do, you know, the be the, the guy who's in an area where there's much more opportunity to sell, but you're one of a thousand faces. Well, you know, I would think that, you know, in this in this day and age, um, there's really um, an opportunity, I feel, there to be both, really. Um, because, you know, you can be in an area that, uh, with cars and most of the shows and stuff, you've got to drive anyway. You know, you've got to do some driving if you want to, if you want to be an artist really anywhere. Whether you're a musician or the more road worthy you are and the further you stray, the better it off it is. And you could still come from a little town and be the big fish. Yeah, come back and everybody everybody knows who you are, you know. And, and uh, there's uh, a town in uh, Hawaii that's very like that. It's called Hana. It's on the, uh, the uh, uh, eastern side of Maui. And you have to drive over 50-something bridges to get there. But George Harrison lives there and stuff like. Well, there's I for, I can't remember the name of the guy right now, but he was the only local Hawaiian painter there. And because he lived in Hana, he was internationally known because Hana's like this this beautiful it's little tiny town. But he was the big fish artist in there. Although I can't, you know, he's not. He paints Hawaii scenes, so he's not going to sell, like you said, cowboy paintings in, in Colorado. Speaking of Hawaii, I yeah. drank beer at the Kona Brew. Nice. Oh. oh yeah, but we're drinking Kona. Yeah. That Coco that that, pla- that place was awesome. Coco sitting Coco at the sitting at the bottom of a mountain, or just Coco like this isn't. Yes, yeah, the same. Oh, one. this is the seven. Or Coco Brown. It's what you asked for? I know. I'm sorry. Yes. What island is that on? Is that the um, that's the Big Island. Okay. Um, it's, 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 anyway, well, in we Hawaii, it's the same thing. Most of the artists tend to pay Hawaiians. Why? That's because they're living there and they love Hawaii and they love the and they're you know, it's part of their world. So, um, but you know, I guess the beauty of being using your imagination and stuff like that is. It doesn't matter whether you show Godiva in Florida or Philadelphia or California. You're still going to get the same people that like it because, let's face it, you know, cloneness is oneness. You know, it's it's from town to town. There's still a certain demographic that's our fantasy people are going to come out and they like fantasy stuff and that's what they like. Well, there's also you know, archetypal, you know, type of images too that everyone's going to like no matter sure, where you go. Sure, sure. Like Batman, and you know, you're, you're good versus evil. You're Joker. light versus dark. Here, you know, all all these kind of things that they, you know, they they write stories about, make movies about. You know, if you if you're creating your images that you know speak to the collective con- unconscious of everybody, you know, stories that just speak to everybody, no matter where they're from. You know, those are. I've had some discussions with some of my uh, my other peers, you know, that don't live around here about why some of those classical paintings, you know, have lasted for hundreds of years because, you know, they, they like, well, you know, some of, William Blake stuff, you know, that, you know, well, you the, know one of the reasons Satan like, fighting, you know, well, the Michael the Archangel kind of thing, you know, just that, that battle kind of thing. It, it just speaks to people no matter where you're from. Well, one of the reasons I decided to do the muses and stuff like that and kind of go down that Greco-Roman path was 
I constantly am battling this this thing between doing the Florida art and doing fantasy art, and one one is I, I keep the website separate because the, the the fine art people don't want to see dragons, they don't want to see my wizards, they don't want to see that stuff, so I have keep them separate. I want to be able to hit that little overlap. There's a little overlap there. It's not like there isn't one. And you got to find that overlap where I can get away with stuff in both ga- in a gallery, a fine art gallery, or at Dragon Con. And I found that the muses were a good way. And not only that, but when I started looking at the muses and the Three Graces and a lot, hasn't been a lot of people paint it considering it's such an icon. I mean, when I want to see Batman paintings, my God in heaven, I can see every style of Batman from Lego Batman to any, any kind, you know. But you go to the muses, go online, and you, there's just not a lot of them there. So I'm like, well, this is like an open area that's yet to be because the ones I see are not Lego really Batman my favorites. It's Legoland. There we go. So for me, are you are you catering to your audience is the question. And uh, yeah, I want to be able to... Hey, I only am going to be alive for so long. I'm only going to have so many paintings come out of me. And when I spend the time on those paintings, I like you said before, you're trying to make sure that you know it's the best painting that you can do. Um, sometimes, of course, we all fall short, but sometimes we get lucky and knock one out of the park, yeah? So so that's all I'm trying to do is paint enough to where I occasionally hit a home run and, and, and just keep trying for that. And, and, and if I have to make slight compromises in palette or, or motif or theme, um, for me, it's the, it's the journey there. It's the painting itself. And, you know, of course, this is about sketch today and sketch every day and I'm one of those people that doesn't sketch every day. <laughs> I'm actually the worst sketch he could possibly have on. Me. <laughs> uh, so no, I sketch sometimes, but you know what? When I actually I sketch a lot, but when I sketch, I do abstracts. Uh, all right, sue me. Um, uh, oddly enough, for me to paint abstracts is something I can never pursue as a career because they either come out of me or they don't, and uh, it's not something I could force myself into. So that's a whole nother. That's like that's like my personal stuff, I guess. You know. Speaking of sketching, do you guys take advantage of any of the sketching opportunities that take place around town? You know, any of the sketching no, sessions and any to. of the. But she does they paint live at tangos. Paint, paint, I do. She yes. does paint yep. live at tangos. And I did. Cafe Tutu Tango on International Drive. <laughs> <laughs> and, what, and how did you get in there exactly? Uh, how did I get in there? Well, the the weird thing is when I first. Um, submitted work to get accepted as an artist at Cafe Tucci Tango. I was sculpting. Oh yeah. I was Which are marvelous. You should continue doing that. Thank you. I've, I've heard that from a few people that I should I should focus. Well, I hear it from everybody that's in your sculpture. Yeah. Um, I w- yeah. I was actually I was making um, fairy wind chimes. They were kind of cool. So I started out doing that there, and then I gradually switched to uh, drawing pencil. I did a, a series of of tree nymphs, I guess, and pencil, um, really, really detailed, and then a uh, <laughs> guy named Phil told me, hey, you know, the galleries, they want paintings, you really should start painting, oh, yeah. so I said, okay, so uh, I started trying acrylics, and then switched to oils, and then oil paint. Well, how did you actually first start, you know, showing your work there, because this particular place is a local venue that, uh, you know, they have artists actually work in the, the bar in the restaurant, restaurant area mm-hmm. you know while people eat and drink and you know just pretty much make merriment um, it, it's a really 
it's a really interesting place. I haven't seen this kind of venue before, but how did you actually start there? Did you know someone? Did you just approach someone? Was it uh, through someone else? You know, I, I can't even remember who told me about it. I, I just remember someone mentioning, hey, if you're interested in selling your work, there's this restaurant on International Drive called Cafe Tutu Tango. You should go in. So I just went in one day, made an appointment with the art director, who at the time was Patty, and just met with her. So it was just word of mouth that I heard about it. Um, and uh, I, I, I stopped doing the clay mostly because people would come by my table, and I, I sculpt with Fimo, or Sculpey Clay, which is, you know, when you buy a two-ounce package, it's like between two and four dollars. But I have people coming by my table going, ooh, look, Play-Doh, can we, can we make something? <laughs> You know, which, as an artist, yeah. you're like, ah, could you remove this knife from my back first? Well, and yeah. then, no. Well, that's can't. like my paint my number pieces, which is um, what I was accused of not too long ago. But it's it's um, <laughs> it's a really great place. I've met some amazing people. Um, Hadley being one of them. Yep. I was there until place. I got fired. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I'm still allowed to talk to For painting girls hanging in trees? Or? <laughs> no, I complained about the music one night, and they told me to go elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you, you know, watch what you say on Facebook. The music is great. <laughs> the music rules now. <laughs> no. <laughs> Whatever. Well, you know, the other thing is if we're talking local, you know, art stuff, because I do the outdoor shows, a lot of the, the real, probably the, the king of any place you can show your work in Central Florida, or at least in Orlando proper, is uh, the Winter Park Art Festival. That's considered to be the top. Um, inter- you know, it's internationally attended uh, with artists and stuff, and there's some good prize money and all that. Yeah, and I've been told you can't even get into that well, unless you've the won thing an award. Is, yeah, well, well, no, that's not true, but here's the thing. There's a, uh, just for those of you who may not know this, there's a gentleman named Gregory Lawler. He does a thing called the Art Fair Sourcebook, which you can buy. They're expensive. They're about 90 bucks. They come out every year, but they list in per one, each page is a summary of each show. Sometimes it's two pages if it's a big show. But what they do is they show the ratio, one of the little things on their chart. It's very easy to read. Um... On their chart, they show what the ratio is to available spaces in that show versus how many applications are made in that show. Therefore, they've got, you know, 200 applicants, 100 spaces. That's a two-to-one ratio. Well, most of the art shows that you'll (laughs) scroll through range anywhere from a two-to-one ratio to maybe a four-to-one ratio, somewhere in there. When you go to the Winter Park Art Show, it's a, about a 12 to a 16 to 1 ratio, depending on the year. So that means for every booth, there's 16 people wanting that booth. And don't you kid yourself that there's a little bit of politics, and then the award winners get an automatic, and local Winter Park artists also get a couple of bo- bo- automatic bonus points on the jurying and things like this. So... It's really hard to get in a winter park. However, if you get in, you know, you have the prestige of winter park, and there's also the chance of selling some big pieces, although the money's kind of down. And then from there, you know, you've got a bunch of other nice 
shows that Maitland's got a real nice one. They revamped it so they do it at night with the symphony orchestra out there. So that was a hit. They just did that a couple years ago. And then you've also got Lake Mary, which has uh, been there for 50 years. You've got Mount Dora, which is a very popular show. But all of these shows, none of them can compare to going to Fort Lauderdale or Coconut Grove or Sarasota, where the big boats are and the big money. Is That's really... You're talking about being from a local town with a thousand some people. You go to a, do an art show in Los Solas, there's going to be over 100,000 people at that show. You do Coconut Grove, there's 250,000 people. And really, we say local, it's more or less a local show. You're talking about a three-hour tribe. That's really not bad. Like, are, I know there's part? a lot of local shows, um, yeah. and I know that Mark has done uh, recently, there was a, was it the Scream? Spook, Spooky Empire's Spooky Mayhem. Empire. Um do you guys do a lot of these kind of shows? I mean, yeah. I know I know all of you have done MegaCon, which, which, which DragonCon, MegaCon, Beth rules. <laughs> well, well, that, well that, that, that's a good. That's I a love good, Beth. She's a great. She's a great show to run. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. That's you know, you've got you've got your local shows. You got your MegaCon. You got your Oasis. You know, which is down here in Orlando. And then you got places like DragonCon. Yeah. You know, what do you guys find is is more valuable to you? Doing these kind of local shows where you can just you know dr- drive you know. 30 minutes or whatever hit 30 minutes around here well I, I would I would 45 minutes around an here hour. Me an hour yeah. I would to quote, get the, I would quote Bella from, from Ed Wood there's no such thing as bad press Eddie <laughs> which means I don't think there's anything wrong with doing every freaking show you can do if I had the energy to do Baldwin Park whether I sold anything or not it ain't getting seen in my garage so they but all have is, value. And if they're cheap still. and they're local and you don't have to spend them, I mean, cheap booth fee, you know. Well, I mean, there are other yeah, people who sorry, go Jenna, to... Well, cheap booth fee, I mean, that's relative. Like, yeah, there's your booth fee, there's your transportation getting there, there's, you know, the drinks that you're inevitably going to have once you're at the <laughs> <laughs> Well, you probably get drinks bought for you. I wish. Oh, well, I'll buy you one next Well, there's, I mean, there's your shows, you know, there's your mega cons, there's your New York Comic Cons, there's your San Diego Comic Cons, there's your Alux Con in Pennsylvania. Just, just, just two oh, weeks ahead. ago, there was, there was Spectrum Live that happened uh, in Kansas City. Yeah, and I, did you hear about uh, that at all? Did yeah, that? I heard a lot about that. Okay, all right. Um, I haven't heard anything about it. Anyway. That's for later. <laughs> that is for later. But, uh, you know, the, I mean... For myself, a LuxCon was a local show when I used to live in Pennsylvania, and it was and it was a good show because they had art collectors would show up to this show. So people that were there were there to buy art. They weren't there to walk around to buy a T-shirt or whatever. Right. They were there to buy original paintings. Well, that's Winter Park and Coconut Grove and all that same thing. Whereas you know there are other places where like like a Dr- Dragon Con. Last Dragon Con, I did X number of money. I won't go into the numbers or whatever, but I did, you know, okay, I made money, you know, and it wasn't bad. But I spent weeks preparing for Dragon Con. There's an incredible amount of paperwork to do. You did the drive all the way, the drive all the way. It's a grueling show. It's four days long, yada, yada, yada. And I made the same money. The show I made before that was a month before at Celebration. It was the Wine and Art Stroll. That show was four hours. And I did a really light setup. It, the whole, it was a one-day deal, and I made the same money as I made at DragonCon. The difference is, I didn't get to hang around a whole bunch of people like Boris Vallejo and Julie Bell and Donata Giancola and all these people that I really have admiration for, and I and and you know and 
So, and then plus, you know, you can, from time to time, I've done better at Dragon Con, and it depends, you know, it goes in cycles, and, and you've got a way, you know, you've got a way whether it's, you know, worth all that trouble and time, and Dragon Con's an awesome show, and, and to win an award or something like that at Dragon Con is, is, a, is a, you know, it, it makes you feel like you're doing the right thing, so, because it's a big show, and there's a lot of competition, so... That kind of thing's really valuable, and of course, being seen in somewhere outside of your local town is also, you know, got value to me. So, um, yeah, they're all good, but never, never poo-poo the little shows. Like I said, I just did celebration. Dragon Con cost me. Well, Dragon Dragon Con poo 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 poo. Dragon Con cost me, you know, probably, you know, up front. You're talking. 800 bucks up front between gas, hotel, fees, bobbity uh, 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 celebration, $15, $15 booth fee. So really easy to do that show. It was a no-brainer. Getting to watch the karaoke at Dragon Con is just, <laughs> it almost makes happen? it worth it. Hmm? Where does that happen? Well, yeah, the I think it's Jag. I think it's the hill all day. Dragon Con is fun. It's just, it's just a good time. You see the weirdest shit. Um, also, another consideration when you were talking about, you know, these shows, a lot of these shows happen on weekends, Saturdays, Sundays. Dragon Con is a four-day thing. Um, I work a full-time job, and I have crappy days off. I have Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday off. So when I want to do these shows, I have to put it, I have to take vacation time. Yep. And if I'm out of vacation you. time, you know, because your family member has been sick, yeah, so you that don't adds have to, to your, visit them. Your expenses. And it sure. does add to expenses, sure. so you know that's another. So you know, but there, I, I, I you know, the, I always go by. At least I wish I could go by the Kiss principle of success. When they started out, they played anytime, anywhere, for anyone. For any price. They didn't, if it was free to get paid, they didn't care. The first two years that KISS started as a band, and they were just some local band, and let's face it, we all know KISS is not exactly the most skilled band in the world, nor do they write the best songs. However, I love KISS. I do too, but however, however, they played in their first two years, they played almost 800 shows. Count that up. That's sometimes two shows a day. That's a show almost every day. There's a reason Kiss became popular in New York, because everybody had seen them. And they were showmen. It wasn't about the music as it was about the, the show, and they knew what they had. And so they, they, they said, look, whether other people understand it or not, we're just going to be out there so much. It's just like you know, Gore, you know what is it? Uh, uh, what's his name? The propaganda mis- minister for the Nazis. Basically, if you tell a lie enough, it becomes the truth. Can, can you well, say Nazi on the show? Well, yeah, I mean, not Nazi. That we're, well, how about not Nazis? That we're no. Kiss are, were Nazis. Yeah, but no, but well, well they, they okay. The SS on their thing looks pretty okay. But the point being is no. What I'm saying is that they basically sold themselves by being out there. I mean. You know, the way to get somebody to buy something on TV is to just saturate head on. You know, apply directly to the forehead. I mean, come on. You know, so, I mean, you repeat it, uh, uh, people are going to start buying it, you know, yeah. sticking it on their forehead. Well, so well we know thing. we know what Paul thinks. What are you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> what, are, what are your criteria for, the for doing shows in general, <laughs> whether, it, whether they're local or whether you have to travel? 
What'd you say? What is the criteria? What's your criteria for deciding if you're going to do a show? Take it highly. <laughs> um, forever, I was doing any show and every show. Because um, uh, two years ago was probably the worst two years, maybe the past three years, for not being able to eat, pay bills, or any of that. So I would do any show at any time. And sometimes not make a single dime while the people around, you know, it, it was hard, but, um, I got my business card out there and then all of a sudden I'd start doing, I did Megacon. I got a bunch of people coming to going, Hey, I saw you at, you know, the farmer's market, or I saw you at the, you know, the blank space art gallery, or I saw you on third Thursday, or I saw you at DragonCon. It's just the more shows you do, the more people really want to spend money on your artwork and stuff. You're here. And now... Dragon Con is my favorite biggest money making show and it costs you know we probably spend twelve hundred dollars getting there and eating and all that and um, you know last year I got to be directly across from Boris and that was cool just to stare over here and watch him painting the whole time <laughs> and then I got to feed off of his line because it just had to go by my table so <laughs> but um, Dragon Con was good so I, I now I'm I think I'm a little more picky I'm not doing the one day shows anymore but um, Disney's helping out and stuff like that, but uh, the cons seem to be the best way to go. <clears throat> I would say six to eight good cons a year would make you a good living. If you could bank Is that on just it, based so. on how many people show up, or? Well, I mean, the one I just did last weekend, Mayhem, it was a small show. I don't know, five thousand people, maybe something like that. And I didn't. It wasn't my best money making show, but it was one of the funnest shows. Um, is that a word? Funnest? Funner? Yeah. <laughs> and you never know. You never know. You never know. It only takes one person to make your show. So it only takes one good person to walk up and go, I'd like that zombie hanging there for a thousand dollars, you know, and then you know it's, and it's a great learning experience yeah. too. All these all these shows that we do, it's a great learning experience. Yep. You get so much feedback from your customers, from other artists, from you know it's fun too to just stand back from your booth. Yeah, Nobody knows is. that you're the artist, and you just kind of listen. That's the, that, we do that at Dragon that. Con. Remember, yeah. we just stand and watch each other's booths and stuff, yeah. and watch people going into the bay, putting bids in on artwork and stuff. So, what would a show have to do for you, Jen, to make you uh, oh, well, put in it, whether it's locally or out of town? Um, I mean, honestly, it's it's great to make money, but I I feel like I'm still just finding my way. I really do. I feel like I have just started. You know, I'm I'm still I'm honing my technique. I'm honing my message and working on what exactly is it that I want to say and and how to best convey it. So for me, I go for the the people, the interaction yeah. with the with the crowds. Um, but even more so to network with other artists. I mean, I've I've made so many great friends through art just amazing amazing people that um I don't know my life would be really really less enjoyable without all these people around it's so. like every show you do you gain probably one or two really good art friends from then on you pick yeah. somebody you pick somebody up yeah. so it's cool it's, it's an amazing community of, of just really really incredible people it really is and I'd say the fantasy art community for me because I live in the two worlds the fantasy art community is much more of a family than the yeah um, than the outdoor art show because I mean you know I'll be have an abstract painter on one side and I'll have a jeweler on the other side and their work has nothing to do it's not even the same motif or it's not the same strata it's not the same clientele it's nothing 
And so, you know, when you repeatedly do them, sure, you see the same people out there that they like your work, you like their work. And there's some, you get invited out to a dinner here and there with some of the artists and stuff like that, but it's much, much, much more um, of a family, I've found, in the fantasy art community, much more of a family. People are, it's much more competitive on, you know, when you're going to Coconut Grove and things like that, you know, whereas... Uh, uh, you know, you go to Dragon Con and everybody's everybody loves everybody, everybody. everybody's supportive of everybody else and it's just I get a great I, I mean that's the other lure of, of of a show like Dragon Con is you can be across from <laughs> Boris Vallejo. You know? I almost stuck Boris Vallejo, Vallejo in a in the finger with a pin. Uh, poking it through to hang my fabric up and he was hanging something on the other side I'm like oh man I could have injured his art finger that would have been my claim to fame and and Boris if you're listening you know if we had a a drinking game going off or how many times your name was mentioned we we would be much more drunk than we are right now well you know before you know well you know and of course Frank too you know you gotta gotta put your nods to Frank I mean there's no way of having any kind of fantasy discussion about fantasy work without mentioning Boris or Frank or Michael Whalen and all these guys. I was so fortunate to have lived near Frank Frazetta. Oh man! Yeah, you were. And I, and you know what? It wasn't. Meet him? It, 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 no, he was. He was pretty sick. He was the, the starting later to get the mention and stuff like but, that. Yeah. Uh, you know, it wasn't until a couple of years ago that I realized he only lived forty-five minutes away from me. And uh, I got to meet his wife before she passed away, and you know, I his his museum was, and and this is, and I guess this fits into the the local uh, thing. You know, you got to take advantage of the resources you have right, you know, right near you. Uh, You know, forty five minute drive, and I got to see probably, you know, fifty sixty Frank Frazetta originals hanging on the wall in one room. You know, and it's just you know just going from one Frazetta to the next. I mean, I remember I went up by myself one day, and I just, I had a, a notebook, and I just sat there, and I just took notes about how you know how how uh, Frazetta had done, you know, what he did in his shadows, and you know how he applied paint, and, you know, and just all these little things that you know. I, I just want to paint nice, happy, serene things. Okay, call me a, you know. Call me, uh, you know, and, and 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 without compromise. What do you want me to call you? <laughs> call me a, call me a, call, me a, fool, call me a hopeless romantic. <laughs> call me an that's, that, that's not what I was thinking. Anyway, okay. Well, you, well, you, you can call me, you know. Well, don't wait on a feminine. I don't know if that's right. <laughs> uh, call me a romantic, Cause, but I just want to paint yeah. pretty pictures. Yeah, I, well, the yeah. thing is, okay, uh, this will sound corny. My, uh, but it's true. Uh, my mom died of cancer when she was 48, and I was only 18, and I was really totally into doing artwork, and that's what I wanted. I didn't want to go to college. I didn't want to have other people teach me, henceforth, why I'm still the way I am. And uh, uh, Bitter and jaded yeah, when it comes to me. And, like and, 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 and the, the more beers you ply, we, ply me with, the more I'm going to act like, uh, no. Um, but, uh, you know, but for me, it was a matter of, you know... Um, my mom was dying, and it was just really a horrible, horrible, horrible experience at 18. And I mean, because I was a big mama's boy, and I had been away from home and stuff. And at first, I started doing really, really dark, dark, dark things. Hadley would have been proud. <laughs> <laughs> and I painted that for a while, and then people were like, man, dude, are you going to ever get off the morbid kick? Da-da-da-da-da. And I forgot that I remember I, I told my mom I was going to be the best painter I, I could be. And it was just like you were telling us the story earlier about uh, Brahm. Well, 
here's this lovely painting of this girl by the uh-huh. pond or whatever. Didn't notice the head floating by. But, um, <laughs> but you know, but the thing is, is that um, in a lot of ways, I think I'm really trying to please my mom still. I think that's really kind of part of it, because that's part of me. I was a big mama's boy, and, and uh, uh, I don't know, you know, the answer to life, the universe, and every single thing. And if you say 42, I'm going to be mad. But, uh, but the I point... I hated that movie. <laughs> Where's your towel, point, by the way? Yeah, my towel. I did that on towel day. But the point being is, you know, for me, it's, it's a matter of just, that's kind of who I am, and I... I I try not to think about it too much. I just try to... I'm a very hyper person. I tend to be a little negative or angry and stuff in in my life, especially when I was younger. And so I like to show that I can actually be a pleasant person and bring something about into people's lives that is pleasant and and, and serene. And and actually, almost like a therapeutic or or soothing kind of... I feel like you can do that with imagery. You can soothe people. And, you know, John Kaufman who we know is a fantastic artist. Um, you know, he told me that you know, he bought my Four Seasons. Now, this is a guy I really, really have a lot of respect for, a great artist, you know. And he hung my Four Seasons, even painted his walls different in the living room to make everything. And he mm. says everything, every morning he likes to go, before he goes to work, he likes to sit in there and have a cup of coffee with his girls. <laughs> and to know that, here's a guy I respect so his much. <laughs> and he loves those paintings that I did so much. That means a lot to me. You know, and, and that's part of why I paint. Sure, there's the money, but, you know, I try. I paint what I like, and if it works for somebody else the way I meant it to work, it's a beautiful thing. I just like to paint sexy girls. Yeah. I feel, well, I feel so, like, cheap. And <laughs> well, maybe you should be interviewing, uh, 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 what's his name? The, the guy I told you is the tattoo, uh, uh, Dave Nestler. Hey, Dave. Great pen. He's a great pen artist. Uh, He's got stuff Olivia. that is... Yeah, so, you know, yeah, there's always a call Olivia's got stuff at the edge. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah? She's amazing. Yeah. I'd love to meet her someday. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know... Yeah, the... Well, and that's the other thing, too, is it's... It, there are so many artists and so many fantastic artists out there that I admire. And it's it's so difficult to to take in all these these great images and, and want to emulate that yeah. and paint like they do. But still, stay true to your own style. Well, that's what I like. Find your own. Yeah, both you and Mark have way. very specific <laughs> styles that I think are very easily identifiable, which I really wish I had. I don't find my stuff identifiable at all. Although other people have told me I'm nuts, but I don't see. Well, your Greek stuff certainly. Yeah, you know, that's, you I can tell. It, I can tell. Uh, yeah, that's Paul. Okay, well, I guess I learned that after my first Dragon Con. <laughs> but you know, uh, uh, the local the local community though. Um, there's a lot of artists in Orlando. There are a lot of artists, and there's a lot of good variety. Um, a lot of animators. There's a lot of... <laughs> well, no, but I, will, I will correct that guys. statement. A lot of ex-animators, too. <laughs> there's an equal number, because, I mean, Disney has laid off just oodles of people in the time. And I mean, I know I'm using the mouse word again, but, but basically, they have. There's been a lot of people, some that we know. Some that we know. Some that we know. That have had had their who even know, though she's part of my group she refuses to be part of a podcast. <laughs> well, we, well, that's that's her uh, prerogative. But she's uh, you know, but she's one of those you know, and that also makes it. But I know a guy that's uh, lives uh, block uh, two blocks over 
that's an art director still in the ana- animation thing, and yet he goes down and does you know shows. I was next to him at a show, and he does photographs of like uh, he loves to shoot little. Uh, Lifeguard stations and unusual little beach houses and stuff like that. And, and, and I was wondering where that was, was going. <laughs> well, you know, well, what I'm saying is that here he's around the Disney fantasy stuff all day, and what does he choose to do as a local artist? Back into the local motif with the beach and the thing, you know, is my point. And, 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 and yeah, and that's, that's, you know, and, and, and he's was, you know, he still makes big money with this. He's a great guy, you know, and, 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 but I don't see him that often. The other thing about arts and the art community, I would think we'd all agree to this, it's hard to line up with each other all the time. We get to see each other at a few shows here and there, you know, unless we get together for an occasion like this or a party or something like that. We all, most of us work regular jobs, you know, we have other I don't. To do. Well, you don't and I don't. I don't. But Jen and Mark do. do. And a vast, and in and, and, and equal <laughs> numbers, I think it's about 50% that the people that I know that are artists, about half of them do it full time and about half of them do it part time. Well, one of, one of my instructors at IMC, uh, Dan Dos Santos, he had said, one of the things he always said was, you know, to, especially to kids coming out of school, is don't ever get a real job. <laughs> I said, don't get ever, don't get a real job because you get a real job and you get a paycheck coming in, no. and you get benefits coming in. He's like, you're no. you're gonna get used to. It. He's like, if you can just stick it out, and and that is one of the things. It's, it's it's one of the reasons why it would be hard for me to make it a full time career to 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 stop making that paycheck and to stop having mm. benefits. Well, I think it, it's. It, well, let's see. I, and, and and to I'm and to not, not only do that to for me, but someone else, you know, no. other people in my family that uh, that would affect as well. Well, even. But even, I still want to do it. Well, even Mark Mark Hadley, I know that he, uh, you know, that you uh, have. Uh, you still have to do some some odd jobs here and there and, and whatnot to kind of keep the yeah. keep the things going and it, and it's tough. And I have the advantage of having you know my wife is you know uh, manages to bring in a paycheck, but we couldn't make it on just her paycheck. But I've been doing this now since 2000. This is 2012. So now this year, it's officially the longest I've ever done one job in a row. <laughs> but sketching, I mean, I really feel that, you know, that, uh, well, you know, the fact that you, you've moved down here and stuff like that's been, you know, a good thing for me because it makes me think about sketching and, 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 and think about, um, you know, uh, I'm, your, well, I'm positively from, impacting your life. You Paul? are. You are. <laughs> well, you know. I mean, yeah. I mean, you are. I mean, because you know, you make you know, you give you throw challenges at me, and that's that's important for us all. And and uh, you know, the local art community. I, 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 you know, we all want to be a big happy family and stuff like that. But you know, there's fantastic artists around that just don't get seen like as much as they should. Like, there's only so much of a pocketbook locally. I guess is is. is the bottom line of it. Well, how much, of, you know, is the economy right now? I hear from a lot of artists that economy is just kicking the crap out of everybody. Yeah. Okay. Because people only have a certain amount of money. Right. And they're going to spend it on food. They're going to spend it on home. Kind of and, you know, when when you're when we live in a in a in a world and in a country where you can go to, you know, one of these kind of department type of stores without naming any and you can pick up a piece of art for 50 bucks it's already framed and just stick it on your wall and it's whatever it's a gicle whatever the hell oh, yeah. it is rooms to go baby you know <laughs> you can get and you can buy it to match your couch yeah. you know why why would you go out and spend 10 times that amount on something 
Well, you know, but the, the, the funny thing. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is to, is to sticking to your guns. The beautiful thing, I, I would say, the to me, the best thing that's happened to the art community in the last 10 years has to be the uh, evolution of the G-Clay mm-hmm. printing. Because prior to this, if any of you go back that far, if you wanted reproductions of your artwork, you had to pick one that you knew was a hot one because you ain't going to waste that money. And what you paid for was the the, re- the registration marks uh, and the registering of the plates. And you could have however many plates. You could have two runs of red if you wanted it more saturated, blah, 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 blah. The line screens on. But it was a huge process, lithography. And for any full-color run, just the setup, regardless of how many you ran, was going to be almost $5,000 each. Now, Mark Hadley... And Jennifer can get G clays printed and sell them, and they look better than the lithographs, and they can do one. Compared to the people that will buy prints, can't paint it themselves, so that's why. It's well, and the hippest thing, of course, these days, is the hand hand embellished G clays. Well, it's always it's always good to have multiple price points yeah. to have sure. your prints. To have your G-Clays, which you can sell for the next step up. To have your hand-embellished G-Clays, which you can sell for the next step up. You know, well, e- even to the point of having postcards. Because people will spend a dollar, two, three, four, well, you know, whatever dollars on a postcard. Right. Well, you know, I talked to Jasmine Beggett-Griffith, another local artist. Probably singular, singularly, I think, you know, they, you guys might agree with me. Probably the best-selling and most widely known fantasy artist in this area. And a fantastic gal, and her, her husband masked great. But, you know, she sells the originals, little originals, because she does them all the time, and she sells some G-Clays. But for her fans, she's got a lot of fans that just don't have the money to, you know. And so she does little $3, little $3 prints for these people. And they can buy one, or they might be able to buy ten. But there's something available to her fans, and, and she doesn't find it... Uh, a, she finds, finds it almost like, you know... She'd be doing wrong by her fans not to do them because not everybody can afford an original. You know. Now that said, you know, I mean, when she's at Dragon Con, she sells enough of those to pay for everything, just those little ones. So you're right. The multiple price points, being able to appeal to the different crowds, applies whether you're, you know, well established or just starting. You know. Well, we've talked the gamut on the local stuff here. Anybody have any final words they want to make into this thing before? Yes, the, Kona, the cocoa brown was delicious, <laughs> and I highly recommend it. That's the Kona Brewing Company yeah, cocoa brown. <laughs> oh, I'm waiting. And, and, after. and I'm Jen Jacobson makes the most awesome shot. chocolate chip cookies. Those are yes. for sale as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'd buy them. I, honestly, you know what? If you put those up on your website, that's <laughs> <laughs> like Dirk strangely sells the uh, sells the hot yeah. sauce yeah. over there at the unnamed gallery, which Mark is at. Yeah. Yeah. Which I don't know why it's not named, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> parting words, I guess. If you're an artist out there, just keep painting, keep drawing, just just do it. If you ever find yourself saying, "Why am I doing this?" or "I suck," or "I just can't try this for a living anymore," "I give up," "I can't sell," "Nobody likes my stuff," blah 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 blah. I've done that so many times. <laughs> I cannot tell you. Uh, yet I still keep going. So, I mean, it's a matter of tenaciousness, I think, overall. And plus, the more you paint, the better you get. 
That's just all there is to it. The more you sketch, sketch every day. Unlike me. <laughs> yep, just stick with it and keep painting. I can't t- count the times that I said I really would like to eat today, but uh, I've spent weeks and months on chicken patties. But it pays off in the long run if you just stick with it. And on the local topic, you know, utilize your resources, make friends, you know, go to the shows, learn learn what your local area has for you. And, you know, there's always stuff outside of your area you can get to, but there's also a lot of things locally that you can take advantage of, whether it's big, small, whatever. So come hang out with us. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> hang with us. But, and, and, and bring got and bring cocoa brown. You, you and, and if you bring beer, we'll like you even more. We'll let yeah. you in. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You're part of the community. That's the part. That's the key to the local community. Beer. 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 Yes. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yay! Now we don't have to be on anymore. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Drawn Today podcast. You can find more information about the blog about the podcast and about the artists on the podcast at drawntodaypodcast.blogspot.com. If you have questions about the podcast or would like to recommend topics for new podcast episodes, please feel free to contact us at drawntoday at gmail.com. The Drawn Today Podcast is a proud member of the Visual Artist Podcast Network. You can find more information about VAPN at visualartistpodcastnetwork.com. You can find archived episodes on the blog, as well as on iTunes. Today's music was brought to you by Collide. You could find more information about Collide and their music at collide.net.